I want to share with you this morning on the topic of taking up your cross and following Jesus. Amen? Um, there was an old song from back in the day that used to go, um, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And I always loved that song because when you decide to follow somebody, you're no longer following them if you're turning back, Amen? And sometimes we turn back in ways that we don't realize. Um, It's never all at once. It's little by little, step by step, we start losing focus. It's like walking in a fog. If if anyone's ever driven in a fog, what, what do people have to do to drive in a fog? They have to put on their high beams. Sometimes people put on their blinkers. If it's um, particularly foggy or rainy, you can't see even two feet in front of you. So it's impossible to follow anybody if you're not very close to them physically because there's many distractions that come into our lives that operate like fog, operate like rain. Um, So if you're not following very closely behind, it's very easy. Within two or three steps, right, within um, not even a mile, maybe a couple of blocks, you could lose someone, amen? So I want to help you today make a decision to follow Christ because it starts with a decision. Uh, Matthew 16, 24, 27 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Then he will reward each one according to his works. Amen. Father God, we just ask you to bless us, Lord God. Use me for your glory. Bless your people, Father God. Speak the words you want them to hear, Father God. May I decrease that you may increase. Amen. Well, this is what we do all the time. We, we don't really pick up our crosses. We sell our souls in one way or another in bits and pieces by giving into things, giving into temptations, giving into distractions. And it's not always bad things. It's your job. It's your kids. It's your, your spouse. It's your friends. It's um, even somebody was mentioning today watching Christian TV. It's, it's all well and good to hear different preachers. You should constantly feed yourself with the word of God, but we also have to be in the position to hear from God himself, amen, directly to us, what he will want to speak to us. It's in that closeness and in that time with him that we become intimate with him. You can't follow people that you're not close to. And when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, Of course, he doesn't mean a literal cross, but he means our burdens, the the good kind of burden, the burden to follow Christ, the burden to be disciplined, the burden to be responsible, the burden of denying yourself daily, daily of the things that you want, of the things you need, the things that you think you should have, the things that you think you should want. We have to be willing to lay those things aside if we truly want to follow him. Amen? 
It's many of us, at least I experienced this. When we come to Christ, we try to get Christ to fit into our lives. It's like we have a puzzle with missing pieces. I used to love jigsaw puzzles. I still do. Don't always have the time for them now. Um, but there's always one or two pieces when you're putting it together. You're not quite sure how it fits, and you're looking at the picture, and then you try to match the pieces. But there's always missing pieces, right? And God wants to come in and fill those pieces, but not by us making him fit into our lives, by putting a a round peg in a square hole. We're supposed to conform our lives to him and his will. He has to be the priority. It can't be, yes, we want to follow you, Christ, um, but only on Sundays between 11 and 1, right? Or maybe if you're really good, you do Fridays and Sundays, right? And if you're really, really good, you do Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. But what about the rest of the week? What about the rest of our lives? Are we consulting Jesus when we're making decisions? Or are we making decisions and then asking God to bless it, to co-sign it, to put his stamp of approval? And the more we continue to make decisions for ourselves, the smaller and smaller and smaller Christ gets in our lives. Especially when we've been doing this church thing for a while, we feel like we got this. We feel like, oh, we can do this, we do that. We go through the motions of things. We come to church, we say the right things. We pray to him probably regularly. But what position is he taking in your life? Is he still as big as he used to be in your life? Is he as big as he ought to be in your life? Or are you, again, trying to make him fit into your schedule, your timing, your way of doing things? When you come to Christ, everything changes. Everything changes. Whatever you thought about, I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat this for those of you who aren't saved or trying to get saved. Maybe you kind of love the Lord. You're here in church. It's not easy. We like to make it seem easy. We like to talk about it as if it were easy, but it is not. It means dying to self, giving up the things you want for the things he wants, which is so much better, trust me, than anything you could have ever wanted for yourself. But we have to make that decision. We have to decide to walk with Jesus. It's not enough to accept him as your Lord and Savior if you don't follow after him. If you don't put some stuff down, if you don't seek him with your whole heart. Last month, Minister Belinda taught about that on Fridays, seeking him with your whole heart. It's important because that's what he gives us. And like any other relationship, if the other person is giving everything and the other person, all they're doing is taking, they're not going to last very long. Whatever the relationship, friendship, marriage, dating, Even your employment, honestly. If you're just taking the check and you're showing up and not doing much else, you're not going to have that job for very long. People deal with Christ as if he's an ATM. And he's not. He wants a relationship. Initially, he gives to you first, right, to win your heart. But then he requires something in return. He requires our hearts. And most of us, we give a little bit, we don't give all. I remember Brother Nate one time preached about, you know, we're always seeing I surrender all, but we don't. Not even a little bit. 
We surrender what we didn't like to begin with. But the stuff we like, that we want, that feeds our flesh, feeds our mind, feeds our desires, we don't give that up. We try to make it fit into the situation. I I was impacted by Brother Tito's testimony on Friday, and one thing he said, he said many profound things, many, 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 and if you guys haven't seen it, please see it. It's life-changing. He said you can't be two people. It's hard being two people is what he said. But we do it all the time. We act one way when people are watching, when we think people are watching, and then we act quite another way in our minds, on Facebook, on text, on phone calls, on Instagram, than we do when we're here in church or when we're around people who would find our behaviors unacceptable. Amen? We all do it. And it's displeasing to God. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So eventually, your dual lives are going to blow up in your face and it's going to catch up with you. It's happened to me many times. It's not pleasant. But God always gives you warnings. God always speaks to you. God always tries to, like, don't do it, baby. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, you have, he allows you a certain grace to do what you want to do. Okay, if that's what you want, go do it. But there are consequences and there are repercussions. And whenever you choose Christ, or rather yourself over Christ, all you're going to get is self. It's like the thing you feed grows. The thing you neglect dies. Then we start wondering, oh, we don't feel the same in church, or we feel funny, or we're not getting anything out of it. We start distancing ourselves from Christ and the things of Christ. Then we stop coming to church. We stop socializing with the people in church. We stop praying. We stop doing a lot of things, but it didn't start overnight. People don't wake up and say, I'm not going to church and I'm never going back to church. That's not how it starts. It starts with little steps, making your own decisions that you know are displeasing to God because you want it, whatever it is, whoever it is. Then it starts with praying a little less. Oh, you know... We, we don't stand up here every Sunday. We're not in bells every Sunday. We're not in prayer every Friday and on, on every Wednesday and every Friday talking to talk. It's for you to take the word and apply it to your life. It's about you looking at yourself and saying, who am I and how do I want to live? You have to make that decision. You have to. Because if you keep straddling a fence, straddling a fence, having one foot here and one foot there, you're splitting yourself in two. You can't function with half your body over there, half your body over there. Because what happens is, is the heart is going to follow where the mind is going. So then you don't love Jesus anymore. You don't love people anymore. You don't love being in church anymore. Because you're following where your mind is, and your mind is wicked, I'm telling you. It always wants what it cannot have because this society, this earth is fallen. It's given to sins, lusts, and temptations. The, the enemy is the ruler of the heirs, as they say. Music, TV, everything you see. It's his ways of distracting us and getting us out of fellowship with Jesus. 
And then we think this Jesus thing doesn't work or the Christianity thing doesn't work. No, the problem is you. It's not Christ. It's never Christ. I can tell you that. It's never Christ. It's always us. Through our lack of commitment, our lack of desire, whatever it is, it's always us. It's never him. You don't have to worry about it. Anybody was worried about that? Don't worry. I'm telling you. You know how they say, it's, it's not you, it's me? It's exactly right. It's not him, it's you. It's us. And we have to grow up. We have to start maturing in Christ. We have to say, start saying no to ourselves and the things that we want. Because honestly, when you get the things that you want, they're not even all that, as the kids say. Whatever you gave up for Christ is never as good as what he wants to replace it with. Amen? Amen. We bring our old habits into new situations. We should be allowing God to mold and shape us into her image and do things his way, but we do it the other way around. And there are no exceptions to this. True conversion is like any other relationship. It's a commitment. It's not just when it feels good. When people are married a long time, it doesn't always feel good. Right? I was telling somebody in uh, foundations today, some of us, like when our kids were little and acting up, we didn't like them. Right? We, you, you look at your kid and you're like, who is that? Like, you're a horrible little person. When they're at their worst. But we love them and we realize because this society doesn't accept you just walking away from your kid. Some people do it. But usually if you leave a kid screaming in the playground and walk away and go home, you're going to get arrested. Right? It's not acceptable. But we feel like we could just walk away from other things all the time. Especially God. And he's everywhere. There's no walking away from him. Psalm 139 says that even if you flee and go to the pits of hell, he is there. That he saw us when we were yet unformed in our mother's womb. That he knows every hair on our head. That he knows every thought before we think it. Every time I try to hide myself from Christ, I read Psalm 139 because it reminds me that he is everywhere. That he knows everything. There is no escaping him. But yet it's what we all like to do. When things get rough in the relationship, we walk away. We blame the other person. We walk away. We say we have an excuse. And you probably do have an excuse. It's legitimate. You're not getting along, whatever the situation is. But when you've made a commitment to someone, you don't just walk away. You don't. It's a commitment to Christ. It's a commitment to God. It's a commitment to another person. And some of us do that. We walk away. God stops being our ATM, our Toys R Us, whatever it is. And we're like, ah, this ain't working. Ah, this, whatever. Well, I'm going to do it my way. And we go back to our old ways. We give up on God. But the good thing is he never gives up on us. Amen? And you'll never be happy until you get things right with him again. Like I said, um, Brother Tito broke that down on Friday. He broke that down, that he tried to run, he tried to do this, he tried to do that, but God had a hook in him. God has to have a hook in you, but you have to cooperate with that hook. He calls you, but you still have to say yes, and you have to say yes when things are good and when things are bad. 
You have to continue to go to him even if nobody else understands. You have to still go to him. Or else it's not going to work. He's not going to force himself on you. Amen? Even with, like, we, we try to hide ourselves with legitimate things, with responsibilities, with our kids, with our jobs. We make all these excuses for why we don't spend time with Jesus. Yeah, you have to work. Yeah, you have to take care of your children. You can't leave them in that park screaming, right? But you still got to make time for Jesus. Get up earlier. Go to sleep later. All of us, when we were out in the world, we had no problems with staying out till 5 o'clock in the morning. No problem with it. Hanging out four or five nights out the week and going to work. You went home, you showered, you ate something, you went to work. No sleep. So why can't you lose a little sleep for Jesus? Stay up for another half hour when you get home and just pray. Why can't you get up a little earlier to pray? If your job told you that your hours change from 9 to 5 to 6 to whatever, you'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to be there for 6 because you're getting paid. So you make certain adjustments for the things you want and the things that you feel you need, but you don't, or you're unwilling to make them for Jesus. But when we go to that ATM, when we get sick, when we lose our job, when our relationship is acting up, all of a sudden we can show up and pray. Why does it have to come to that? Why can't you give him what he deserves? Because you don't want to. You don't want to. But let's stop playing games about it. Then say you don't want to. Let's be real with it. Nobody here needs for you to be here. We need for you to seek Christ. We want to get souls saved, not to keep you out of hell, but to live victoriously here on earth. Jesus said he came that you might have life in abundance, not death in abundance, life in abundance. But you can't do that if you're playing games because the only person you're playing games with is him. And you're not playing games with him because he knows you already. He knows what you're doing. He's not fooled. He wants you to come to him. Jesus says come because he wants to take your burdens and give you his, which are light. He wants you to live in victory. He wants you to live in abundance. He wants to open more doors for you than you think you can open with your own hustling of your own career. Whatever it is you're doing and working so hard at, it's a lot easier when Jesus gets behind it. He will open doors. He will create relationships. He will have people giving you money, supporting your business, giving you a job, giving you apartments. I've seen him do it time and time again for people sitting right here. But you have to be willing to put down your agenda and pick up his. Amen? Second Timothy 2, verses 3 and 5 says, You must therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. 
Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In the last few weeks and the last few months, really, God has really had me to meditate on that scripture. And showing me that I was allowing myself to be entangled by the things of this world. Relationships, situations, job stuff. I was worrying about many things and not really making Jesus a priority in my life. It's easy to get off track. But if you're kingdom focused, then you look at everything else very differently. You put it in God's hands. You trust him to work out the situations. You trust him to make a way out of no way. You don't fret over it. You don't carry it around. You don't spin your wheels trying to make things happen. I'm a big maker of things happen. A lot of people with control issues have that issue. We feel like if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. (laughs) And it's not just me and Carmen. There's a lot of control freaks in here. I know some of you. But that's, how, that's what God means when he says, stop entangling yourselves with the things of this world. He has it. He has that job situation. He has that health situation. He has whatever. But are you answering his call? Are you doing what he wants you to do? You, you guys heard me tell my testimony during the ordination. Is he telling you to speak to that girl in 3F? To minister to her? To help her come to Christ? Is God telling you to minister to your coworker, but you're so busy getting involved in union arguments and raises and all of that? Because truth be told, the bosses are going to do what they're going to do. The unions are going to do what they're going to do. No matter who votes to ratify or not, it somehow happens. But you're busy at all these meetings. Do you stop to just go to your office or go to your place and just pray, Father, you will be done in my workplace? I trust you. I trust you with this. I trust you with my coworkers. I trust you with the union stuff, with the raise or no raise. Somehow, raise or no raise, every year you manage. God provides. But we're getting entangled with things that God has bigger fish for you to fry. He wants you to go to a sister's house and pray for her. He wants you to go and visit Julio in the hospital so that Delma can have a break once in a while. Right? He wants you here when we're having something on a Saturday to help Doherty and all the ladies clean and set up and do all of that. But we're so involved in our stuff that we don't look around and see whose need can we meet. What can we do for the kingdom? What could I be doing right now? Instead of worrying about this thing that I have no power over, what could I be doing for Jesus right now? And his house. Because if we don't keep the doors open, none of us would be sitting here. Giving whatever. People, we all have no problem spending our money the way we want to. Pastor gets up in the pulpit and asks for a special offering. It's the crickets. It's crickets. 
Nate got to jump up and down and, you know, get all crazy and sweaty for us to give $2. I had a decision to make this week when I paid my bills. I remembered that pastor sent something out saying we need a little extra this month. And I was like, ugh. I could really use that to pay a little more on Visa. But Visa's going to be there. Visa's going to stay there. If pastor needs it, this house needs it, I gave it. Was it easy? No. Did it hurt? Yes. Did I second guess it? Yes. I had to write out the check, put it in the envelope, and forget about it. Because 10 times I wanted to change the amount. So I could pay another bill. But it's not often that pastor asks for extra. And if he asks, we need it. So what, I can't go out to dinner, right? Or whatever I was going to spend it on. Another pair of shoes. All right, I already have 20, 30 pairs of shoes. I don't need another pair of shoes. Or, or a bag. And it don't got to say Louis Vuitton. As long as it works, it's good enough for me. <laughs> How much more has Jesus done for me? So now I have an illustration, but I need two of the guys, Jonah and Brother Tito, because they're large. Come up. And I need someone, a couple of purses, if someone will lend me a purse or two. Big ones. Stand back to back. All of you come with ginormous bags. Where are all the bags? I know you ladies. Come on. I need the bags. Damn it. Oh, the Izzy got a ginormous one. I'm going to give them bags. You all are crazy. You think I'm going to run out here with bags? Give me bags. They don't trust me. This is heavy. <laughs> I know. All right. Can someone move this back a little bit? I'm not running out the front door. Relax. Stand back to back right here so they can see you. Back to back. Venga. All right. Not that tight. Move a little more. So Jesus says that, you can move this way a little more. Jesus says that straight and narrow is the gate to him. So if we... But after we get saved and we start walking, this is our life. I need someone to hold the mic. This is our life, right? This is the stuff we came to with Christ. Let me just show them. This, this is how our lives were before coming to Christ. So to, to, when we come to Christ, he now wants us to pick up our cross, let stuff go, die to self, and come to him, right? So here I am trying to come to him, right? And you know us women, we're going to figure out a way. Right? So you start with, don't move. I need for you guys not to move. So I'm like, 
All right, I could get these through, but I probably can't get the other ones through. So, Mickey, can you help? So I start putting some stuff down, right? The ones I don't like. So I let Mickey take that one, and no offense to whoever's bag that is. So I give her trials, tribulations. I give her that dude I didn't really like to begin with, <laughs> right? I'm like, I was looking for a reason to get rid of him anyway. So now I'm lighter on one side, but I'm still like trying to get through, and it's not working. So then, well, so then I'm, you know, like, well, Lord, what's happening? I'm not, I let go of that. I let go of Johnny. I let go of the cigarettes. I let go of the alcohol and whatever else you guys have. And I still can't get through. Like, what does he want? Right? It's not working for me. And you're calling everybody, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And people are praying. But God needs your attention. He wants to tell you specifically what you got to let go of, right? So then you come out for a while and you're like, this church thing don't work. I'm not doing this. I'm not praying anymore. I've been praying about stuff. I gave up Johnny, the liquor, the cigarettes, and I'm still not getting victory in my life, right? And then you start getting a little smarter about it, and maybe you pray because now everyone who you call to pray is saying, well, sis, have you prayed? What is God telling you? And then you get the revelation, right? And you're like, well, I do gossip a bit, right? I listen to the bochinche, and I talk bad about people, right? So now I'm feeling a little bit. Now I think I could sort of make it, right? But still not quite. So then I'm like, then you go back and forth with God a little more. And then he's like, Hmm, you're still texting that other dude, right? The one that's married. Right? But you're like, yeah, but we ain't doing nothing. You know? You are doing something. It's doing damage to that marriage. Because he's talking to you things he should be sharing with his wife. Right? And the lust is driving him closer to you and less to her. So we give up that. So then I'm like, all right, Lord, I gave up cigarettes, I gave up liquor, I gave up Johnny, I gave up the other dude that I didn't really want to give up because it was only a text thing, right? And I still can't get through. So now I'm frustrated. I'm at the altar. I'm having people lay hands on me. I'm waiting for the profeta to come and speak a word. Right? But then you come on a Friday and Belinda says he wants your whole heart. And you're like, you have my whole heart, Lord. Do I? Are you spending time with me the way you used to? Are you seeking me before you make decisions? No, you're doing what you want to do, and you want me to co-sign it. Remember when you used to cry in your bedroom, on your knees for hours, trying to hear from me? You don't do that anymore. So I'm like, all right, Lord, you got my time. So now I'm trying to get through. I'm about halfway, right? Something's still weighing me down. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. 
And I'm like, well, what, what, Lord? I can't be perfect, right? Because then you're going to take me up to heaven if I'm perfect. So I go back and I start, well, what did I used to do when I was feeling Christ here? What did I used to do? I was praying. I was seeking him. I was here every time the doors opened. But I was honest with him. I knew my righteousness was as filthy rags. I knew I needed him for everything when I first came to him. Now I'm self-sufficient. I know the word. They're calling me minister. I got this. I know how to do church. I know how to do Christ. But I still can't get through. So I have to die to self. Right? I have to take off the things I'm hiding behind. My intellect, my degrees, my successes, that I could pray the heavens down, people say. He don't want none of that. He wants me to humble myself and be honest again. And now, I can walk through. And that's a process. <laughs> that the black one's mine. Where you going, brother? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy, labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There has to be an exchange. To get what you need from him, you have to give up what he wants for you to give up. He's telling you to come to him. He's not forcing it. You have to give up some stuff. Lots of stuff he delivers you from instantly. I know people who were delivered from drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever, instantly. Most of us, that is not the case. And even if he delivered you from one thing instantly, he's not delivering you from everything instantly because it's an exchange. It's a relationship. Every relationship, there is an exchange. You have to be willing to make that. He's not going to take it from you. If you want to stay right here, he's going to leave you right there. But if you want to come all the way up here with him, then you have some things to give up. You have to do it. He's not going to force you. But because he loves you, he will allow trials and tribulations to get you there. Either way, you're going to come. So either you come the easy way or the hard way. And he'll allow the hard way to get you to come to him properly and really give yourselves up and stop making excuses about all oh, but this, all oh, but that, oh, I tried this, oh, I tried that. He wants you to be honest with yourself and with him.
It's hard being two people. It's hard being double-minded. You can't even make up your mind about what you want to do and how you want to do it. Because you want what you want, but you want the benefits of being in the relationship with Christ. Christ and sin don't mix. So if you want him, you got to let go of some of the sin. Again, not all of it. You could never in a million years get rid of all of it. But you have to be willing to give it to him. There's a part in Mark chapter 10 where it says, Then Peter began to say to Jesus, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers, sister or father, mother or, mo- father or mother, wife or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. He means here on earth. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last will be first. He wants us to come to him with everything. Amen? Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to get that revelation that once you give your lives to Christ, you are the vessel. He is on the inside of you. You do what he says, how he says, when he says. You have to give up whatever ideas you had about who you are, who you want to be, and how you want to get there. That's truth. It doesn't happen all at once. He doesn't require you to do it all at once. But it is a process that you have to be willing to submit to or else whatever, at whatever part of the process you stall in, that's where you stay until you're ready to move forward. But just be very clear about who you are and who he is and don't get the two confused. You are not God and he is not you. What's your fault is your fault. What's his fault never really hurts you. Amen? So you have to make a decision to keep on living the way you've been living or leave all and follow Christ. Are you still being selfish and childish and self-centered? Or are you humbling yourself under the hand of God? Are you doing what's wrong or are you doing what's right? Are you doing what you want to do or what he's telling you to do? Are you doing what's easy and pleasurable? Or are you doing the harder thing and saying no? No to people, no to things, no to situations, no to yourself. No to your flesh and what it wants. Because your flesh is like a roaring lion. It wants to take and take and take and take and experience pleasure all the time. But how many of you know, especially people who used to get high, the high don't really last. And then you're always chasing after it, and it's never quite like it was. And then you become a slave to it. It's the same thing with everything. You may not stick a needle in your arm, but you do other things that have you. You know it has you because you're not giving it up. That's a clear indication that it has you. You're not willing to just walk away. 
Like in the demonstration, there were certain things I was like, yeah, I'm happy to get rid of that. But I wasn't happy to get rid of the rest. And you need to do it soon. Because prom- tomorrow's not promised to anybody. You don't know when your soul is going to be required of you. Car accidents, whatever. Things happen. We've had instant deaths here with some of our members, unfortunately. Here one day, gone the next. You, you can't just say tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll get my life right. I'll get-. You don't have to get your life right. Just let God do what he's going to do. And cooperate with the process. In Luke 12, 16, and 20, he, God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those things, those things uh, that you have, then where will those things be which you have provided? So where have you, what would all those things do for you when God calls you unto himself? Whatever you were working at, striving towards, whatever it means, nothing when you go to die. And you, nobody here knows when that is for any of us. Amen?